Hi, everybody. Welcome to a special mini episode of Base Hip All 4, two-fourths of the Base Hip All 4 podcast with us. My name is Glenn Zanegris, alongside Scott Roswald. Scott, we did not text each other what shirt to wear before the episode started. We're wearing the exact same thing. I don't know if we should start over and change because it's a little embarrassing, but I'm down to roll with it if you are. Yeah, I, I, I think it's great. I'm wearing my uh, intramural softball championship shirt. Oh, I have that. I'd uh, somewhere. I lost so. it couple years ago but yeah but we yeah. were rocking the north carolina blue today we look we look great it's a great we're color looking good um so we decided to have this mini emergency kind of podcast as we're trying to figure out our schedules and when to get back on track for the real thing um because everyone's working now everyone has jobs and the pandemic's coming to an end so it's gonna be a little tougher to schedule things but we th- thought it was very important to get on and talk because of all the stuff that's been happening specifically all the no hitters that have been happening throughout major league baseball over the first two months of the baseball season. So there was two no hitters last year in the 60 game season. And we've blown past that already in the two months in 2021, we have seven, including the one that doesn't count or eight, including the one that doesn't count. So we have Musgrove, Rodon, Means, Miley, Turnbull, and Kluber, from the Yankees last night. We have Madison Bumgarner in a seven inning game. I think the last episode we had, Scott, we had an argument, you and me versus Cash, over whether or not it should count. Yeah. There's a lot of different kind of ways to go here, as my laptop is now going to beep for forever now. <laughs> um, and we're going to power through because it's fine. So th- there's many different ways to look at all these no hitters that are happening. There's, you know, the positive spin on it. This is great. It's bringing attention to baseball. It's something that doesn't happen all the time. And it's really showing the greatness of these athletes. And what I really find interesting about these no hitters, it's not DeGrom. It's not Cole. It's not Nola. It's not Walker Bueller. It's not Trevor Bauer. It's not those guys that are throwing the no hitters. It's really the finesse guys, the Miley's, the Klubers, the Turnbulls who led the major leagues in losses in 2019 with 17. It's John Means who does it primarily with a changeup. So it's not the stars that are doing it. It's really giving some notifications to, you know, some of the other guys around major league baseball that can pitch. And then you can look at the negative spin where you can talk about, you know, the lack of offense that we've seen from major league baseball over the course of this early season. So as someone who loves baseball and likes to like take the positive out of the league, um, I think that, you know, the first thing that should be talked about is how great these pitchers are, but you know, the more that this happens and the more that even if it's not a no hitter, if it's someone that brings it into the seventh or the eighth, this seems to happen on a nightly basis. That is concerning in terms of an offensive standpoint, when looking at the game and what the kids and what the younger people and the young, the demographic wants to see. So what do you think? Do you think this is more of a good thing for major league baseball or a bad thing for major league baseball? Yeah, so I'm actually kind of on the opposite side as you here. Uh, with the uh, the volume of it, I, I do think it's kind of bad. Um, I more or less think it, it's it's the hitter's fault. You can't blame the pitchers. Um, there's just too much emphasis on trying to hit home runs and launch angle and, and exit velocity, and these guys aren't going up there trying to just make contact and put a ball in play and, and you know make things happen. Um, I don't want to take anything away from these guys because you know some of these pitching performances have been phenomenal. Kluber was amazing last night for a guy who, mm-hmm. you know, hasn't pitched significant innings since 2019 um, for him to go out there and do that is excellent. Uh, you know, Spencer Turnbull is a guy 
as you mentioned, led the league in losses a couple years ago. Um, just flat out dominated the Mariners. Uh, John Means was great against the Mariners as well. Um, you know, Musgrove and Rodon, we talked about them earlier in the year. They're great stories, but I do kind of think it's concerning, like, because you you want action, you want things to be going on during the game, you want ball and play, and I don't know. It, it's it is concerning to me that you know there's this many this early in the year. I mean, it's good that these no-hitters are happening because, you know, it's something to watch, right? But at the same time, I tweeted this actually, ironically enough, two nights ago after Turnbull's no-hitter and before Kluber's no-hitter. I tweeted that, you know, I don't really care about no-hitters anymore because when I got the notification that Turnbull was throwing a no-hitter, sixth, seventh, eighth inning, um, it was a West Coast game. It was like one o'clock in the morning. And I was like, you know what? I've seen enough this year. I don't need to turn. I'm not going to turn it on. And obviously, 24 hours later, that changed. Because Kluber, you know, is my guy. He's a guy on my team. So obviously I was invested in it. But, you know, you couldn't, there's some arg- people making the argument, and they can make a very good argument that the accomplishment of a no hitter now is kind of getting diminished in a way, which is, I think is wild because, you know, a no hitter is a no hitter. So it's very, very hard to do. But, you know, there's a lot of them are happening. And you don't want the no-hitter, if you're baseball, to turn into what the triple-double has become in the NBA. In the NBA, the triple-double used to be this, you know, once-a-season crazy accomplishment that only the best of the best can accomplish. But now, if Russell Wilson doesn't have a triple-double in a game, it's almost like a disappointment. Like, what's wrong with him? He does it that much, and it happens that much. Like, LeBron James in the uh, playing game yesterday, 75% of the game wasn't really that great but still ended up with a triple-double. So you don't want the no-hitter to turn into kind of um, a forgotten accomplishment, like the triple-double. Maybe in the NFL, like throwing for 4,000 yards isn't what it was three, th- 30 years ago than what it is now. So it, it comes down to the fact that offensive approaches are not good. Um, these pitchers are too damn good, and their stuff is too nasty that it's almost impossible to hit even if you have a good approach, let alone swinging for the fences every time. And obviously the shifts have been a big factor in the lack of offense. And let's be honest, two years ago, we were all complaining that there was too many home runs. They juiced the ball or whatever. Now they changed the ball back to what it originally was. And it's been worse. The The game's been worse. They thought that taking away the home runs would add doubles in the gap and more chances in the field and more base running first to third first to home, but it's just been added to more strikeouts because the pitchers can move the ball so much more than they were used to. So it's kind of a catch 2020 catch 22 for major league baseball. What do you want? Do you want what you're getting in 2021 with these no hitters every week and just historically low batting averages across major league baseball, or do you want what you want in 2019 when everyone's hitting home runs and games are very long in terms of time, but a lot of runs are being scored. So what's better in terms of what for the future of major league baseball, what's the better game? Yeah. And major league baseball kind of put themselves in this spot because they want the shorter games, but um, you know, they want more action too, but you can't have that when you're taking away the offense and making it all about pitchers. Um I'd much rather see home runs on home runs on like, I'd rather see that. I personally, that's what I'd rather see. And, you know, sprinkle a no hitter in here every once in a while. Like 
I think it's much more impressive when, you know, the offenses are dominant and then a guy comes in there and, you know, shuts somebody down. But, you know, when the Mariners as a team are hitting under 200, like, whoop do you freaking do? You you threw a no-hitter against a, a team that can't even hit over 200. Like, it really is... And, and I, 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 I loved your analogy of the triple-double of, it, like, it means nothing anymore. And, like, you shouldn't want that for a great accomplishment like these guys are, you know, are having. Um, I don't know. I personally, I'd, I'd rather the ma- Major League Baseball say, we want more runs. We want more, you know, action in the field. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think they've put themselves in this spot like they typically do. They they dig their own graves yeah. and and they have to get themselves out of it. And it seems to be a pattern. It seems um, like they tried to overcompensate the home runs of 2019. So they went to the far, you know, far extreme the other side. They were yeah. like far extreme one side, and then they changed it now two years later to the far extreme on the other side. So there has to be some way to get in the middle of what these last two years have been, or last three years, and if you don't count the, um, the p- pandemic-shortened season. So, but – I think you have to be able to do this if you're Major League Baseball. We can't keep fucking with the baseballs. You can't keep winding them up or loosening them up. There has to be different ways to integrate integrate offense into Major League Baseball and still have these pitchers pitch well and be as good as they are because everyone loves to see what DeGrom and what Cole and what Bauer can do. Um, or Otani now, that he's finally healthy. Um, so electronic strike zones, shortening the mound, pushing the rubber back, um, maybe even chopping off half of the strike zone because, you know, these pitchers today, this is what we didn't see this 15 years ago. Pitchers today are living high in the zone with the fastball. We, I, when we were taught to play baseball, Scott, I don't know if you were taught the same thing, but as one that we were taught to pitch, um, it was to keep the ball low, yep. right? The ball down, the ball low, get ground balls. Now it's a completely different. It's turned on its head. You're being taught to get the fastball up in the zone, um, create lift if you if you can, and go for the strikeout. And that's really making the game boring. They call it the three true outcomes: the strikeout, the walk, the home run. And you know, there's no action, and that's not an entertaining product to consume if you're a fan. Yeah, honestly, I mean. I think one of the first things that Major League Baseball can do is, is limit shifts and how how many guys you can put on one side of the field, how often you can shift. Like I think yeah. that every that other would, sport has an illegal defense, except yeah, for like that that should be something that they should look at. I mean, a long time ago they lowered the mound, uh, you know, down and and that changed the game. Um, I don't, they're experimenting in the is it the Atlantic League with mm. moving the the. The uh, mound back. I don't love that. I don't think that's great because uh, you got to then teach all these guys how to how to pitch again. Um, from it, I mean, it's what it's a foot of a distance, but like that's that's a huge difference. You got to kind of readjust. Um, so I think it's it's you banning the shift or you know limiting the shift. Um, I think that you know that creates a lot more offense. Like, could you imagine like now if like Tony Gwynn was up there and some team decide to shift on him like he would laugh yeah Tony Gwynn would gladly take that slap to the left side of the field and and take his single and get on base so his teammates can then do something guys like don't take pride in that like 
they just want to hit a home run. They want to look cool. They want like mm-hmm. great home runs are awesome, and it shows that you're you're really good. But like, so does just hitting a ball the other way, getting on yeah. base, and making something happen. And it's just not there. Like we've seen stolen bases go down. That's you know a product of analytics. But like that's an exciting play is a stolen base. Like that's a that's a good play for your team. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, hit and runs are abs- yeah. obsolete at this point. Like I don't think an eight-year-old even knows what a hit and run is anymore. <laughs> Probably not. And it, it's sad because, like, that's, like, how we all grew up playing baseball. That's how, like, that's what we watch. That's what we're used to. Um, yeah, they, they got to figure it out because we, we don't want these guys – we don't want to be sitting here saying, oh, you know, Wade Miley, like, oh, you didn't really achieve anything. Like, that's, that's commonplace. Yeah. Like, that's a great moment for a guy who's kind of been a journeyman Mm-hmm. um of a pitcher and to go out there and do that um was great and we shouldn't be you know trying to take that away from him and you know it's weird because it, the game has been consumed from consumed by analytics right so they're looking at the strikeout and they're equating it to being the same thing as a fly out or a ground out it still equals one out and their argument against what we're kind of preaching of getting back to the old days of you know 15 10 15 20 years ago when you have a two-strike approach you choke up you go the other way i don't know how much you saw of the yankees rangers series this week other than the um other than the no hitter but the yankees grounded into an absurd amount of double plays like embarrassingly um, um, an embarrassing amount of double plays i think it was like 10 in a four game series and it killed every single inning basically um they ended up winning three of four because the rangers are that bad but, you know, against good teams, that's going to kill you. That's going to kill you in October as well. So the analytical people are going to argue, wouldn't you rather Miguel Andujar with first and second and nobody out just strike out instead of, in other than, instead of bouncing into a 4-6-3 and then you got a runner in third, but you have two outs and then you have one more out to get if you're on the mound and you're out of it with no run. So now strikeouts are almost good because you're not bouncing into a double play. You see what I'm trying to say? Like how it's yeah. completely been turned on its head and how double plays used to be embarrassed. Remember we were in Little League, we'd strike out. We were embarrassed. It was yeah. horrible. Never wanted the to strike feeling, out. The worst feeling in the world was to strike out. Now it's almost like a relief when you when you see a strikeout because, oh my God, at least it's not a double play. Yeah, and that's where analytics are wrong. And that's where uh, you got to have a sense for, for the game and, and understand what's going on. Um, cause yeah, like, all right, great. You, like you put the ball in play, like something could happen. That shortstop can boot the ball and, and now you got runners on first and second or that, that runner on first, you know, takes advantage of that and gets the third. The analytic like, people are going to be like, well, how often does that happen? Statistically, they're not going to make the error. Yeah. But like, it, it's still going to happen. We're, you're still human. It's baseball. Like you never know what's going to happen. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird game like that where anything can happen at any moment. Um, yeah, I don't. It, you're right. The, people don't fear striking out anymore. There, there's not like a consequence to it. The only time I ever got ejected from playing baseball was because I struck out four times in a game and I threw my helmet in the dugout and the umpire threw me mm-hmm. out. I was mad at myself. I wasn't mad at the umpire. I was mad at myself for striking out. Yeah. Um, like, you never wanted to do that. I, I would have much rather put the ball in play and let something happen and make the other team do something than swing at three pitches or look at three pitches and go sit down and, and then have to go play the field. I don't know. It's just the way I think about it. 
Um, I think that's how it should be looked at, but it's not. And the robots run the game. And yeah. And you got to wonder, like, I've been thinking this recently um, when, because this has been a very hot button issue over the last couple of weeks, not just, you know, the last couple of days, but, you know, things come and go, right? So there's trends that happen. So I'm thinking that one day baseball will return to the way things were as, you know, people adjust and then readjust and then adjust to the adjustments that the opponent's making. It wasn't that long ago that the Royals won the World Series against the Mets because they just never struck out. Like, that was the reason they won the World Series. Now you're getting teams like the Dodgers last year that won the World Series basically just by outslugging everybody. That's what the Rays did to win the pennant as well. So you got to think that maybe five years from now, who knows, maybe we're back to the Kansas City Royals 2015 brand of baseball. But right now, it's kind of in a transitional period where it's it, this is the way baseball is going to look right now and the diehards will stay with it but you know maybe you know, maybe the younger demographic is gonna we're gonna we're gonna miss i don't know but baseball is not suffering you see the ratings for sunday night baseball on espn is very very good the mlb tv ratings are th- through the roof um so it's weird that we're getting a worse brand of baseball in terms of i guess action and offense but getting very, very good ratings streaming wise and on the networks. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but I definitely think that, you know, you can change all the rules you want. You can make the mound flat. If you want, you could, um, you can cut the home plate in half. Uh, You can do all these things. It's going to start at the youth level to change this. You got to teach them from eight years old up through the high school ranks that you got to have two strike approaches. You got to, know how to take an extra base you got to know how to bunt you got to know how to hit and run you got to know how to shorten up and slap the ball the other way i mean that's just at the end of the day that's what's going to change major league baseball because by the time these kids get to that level that's the way they're going to play yeah i agree it, and it's it's a hard thing to do and it's a hard thing to accomplish but what what the kids see is it's what they're going to do and that's what they're going to emulate like you know Everyone's they're watching. Just, they're watching Aaron Judge and Bryce Harper and all these guys just take hacks, no yeah. matter what the count is. Their three zero swing is the same thing as their zero two swing. We've been taught that that's not the right thing to do, but that's what these kids are now being taught is the right thing to do. So it's just a different game. Yeah, and it's just funny because like you look at a guy like Freddie Freeman who won the NL MVP last year. He is a guy that chokes up and he changes approach depending mm-hmm. on the situation. He'll go the other way help put balls in play. So like, it's not like it's this anomaly anomaly thing that you can't be successful doing this. There's like people that do it. Yeah. I mean, as you said, Freddie Freeman does it. Um, you know, Joey Votto had a Joey great Votto year doing it. it. Anthony Rizzo's had a good year career doing it. Like you know, Mike, Mike Trapp does it. He's the yeah, best. Exactly. Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts does it. They're, yeah. they're not all home run or nothing. It, it, um, yeah. it, it's just, it, it can be successful doing it. It's, it's not like you can't, Hell, Barry Bonds did it. Barry Bonds choked up on his bat all the time. Yes, he took steroids and he cheated, but he had that approach his entire career. And you, you still have to hit a baseball to, you know, be good. So I saw a um, funny tweet. Somebody tweeted out a picture of an old daily news clipping, the newspaper in New York from the 50s, like criticizing Mickey Mantle because he he wasn't, he his bunting that season wasn't good. Like, <laughs> Aaron Judge would never – I don't think Aaron Judge is square to bunt in his five-year career. And 
Mickey Mantle was a guy in the fifties. He would bunt. Yeah. Like yeah, judge probably scary. doesn't know how to bunt. He I don't think couldn't. judge has ever in his life bunted. I don't think that, that that's probably why too, because you know, these guys in the major leagues, you know, even the, even like the bottom tier kind of bench player guy, when they were in high school, they were the man, they were the best at the, in their region and yep. they probably never bunted. So yeah. these great athletes that are major league quality, when they were, when they were younger, they weren't asked to bunt because they were asked to hit the home runs. And that's what we've gotten now. We don't have a, we don't have a lot of five tool guys. We don't have a, there's like one Acuna and there's one Trout. And, you know, there's not a lot of guys that could complement that. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, some guy that is complimenting everything, a guy that I guess I was wrong about, whatever, <laughs> is Shohei Otani. Now, Shohei Otani is really interesting because I don't remember a baseball player, Scott. I don't know if you can correct me. I haven't seen a baseball player get recognition from stars from other leagues. Kevin Durant talks about Shohei Otani. JJ yeah. Watt talks about Shohei Otani. I don't remember another baseball player getting that kind of love. I don't remember Trout ever getting this kind of love. I don't remember Judge in his 2017 rookie year. Um, Mookie Betts, you know, Kershaw, all the greats that have come through the league. Maybe Jeter at the end because everyone was just like, you know, giving him his goodbye tributes. Yeah, and that, but that like, was different. But that was different. But like in his prime, based on performance, I don't remember guys from other leagues talking about a baseball player the way Shohei Otani gets talked about in the, I guess, sports athletic community. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing for Major League Baseball uh, that, you know, Kevin Durant and J.J. Watt are, are acknowledging his excellence. They're not just scrubs in their sport. They're no. top-of-the-line future Hall of Fame guys in their sport. Yeah, and I mean – and I think it's another good thing that it's an international player as well to to be able to market that, uh, you know, to the to the Japanese and to the Asian markets. And I mean, Acuna doesn't get you know the love outside of the game, but you know, another international star that you know they can market to the to the Latin American community. But you know, Shohei Itani is is incredible. I know, you know, his health is obviously it's been an issue, but. You know what he's doing at the plate right now is is phenomenal, and mm-hmm. he he wasn't the most popular player with this group of play, uh, people. You know yourself, Ty, and, and Cash. Um, well, I think spurn the Yankees and free. Yeah, I, I think that's and part then, of it. And then I still contend that you know Andrew Hard deserved the Rookie of the Year over him. But, but other than that, he's been great. You know what? What he can do is, is incredible, and the fact that he can go out there and throw 102 miles an hour, and then and go up there and and hit a game-winning homer. Not even hitting home runs. He's hitting 450 home yeah. runs on 99 miles an hour fastballs that are at his eyes. And like he he can run too. He can steal bases. Mm-hmm. It's not something he does a lot, but he's just a phenomenal athlete. Did you see the photo of him shirtless the other day in the interview? Right. Like, yeah, he's, right. he's he's jacked. Mm-hmm. It, he he's a specimen and it I think it's a great thing for baseball and I, I hope he can be a little more healthy and consistent on the mound because he hasn't fully shown that yet to be, you know, his stuff is great. He's got awesome stuff. His control's a little, you know, leaves you want more. And he only pitches what every like 10 days. He's he's not on a normal yeah. pitching rotation. 
And I think, you know, playing in the field every or DHing every day plays a factor into that. Um, but like when you're doing stuff that hasn't been done since Bay Ruth, like, you know, you're doing something right. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I hope from this and, you know, I'm still I'm still not, you know, totally on the Otani train. Let's not get crazy. It's very hard for me to admit when I'm wrong. I don't know if you know this about me, Scott. It's very difficult yes. for me to do that. So I'm not totally there yet, but I will say this. I really hope Otani turns into a little bit more of a trailblazer in Major League Baseball, and especially at the youth level, because we talked about a couple minutes ago how, you know, you know, kids are very – they get inspired by what they see from the professionals. They're very influenced by what they see on TV from Acunas and Trouts. I would love to see Otani lead to more two-way baseball players. I think that would be so awesome. For baseball like Otani shouldn't be the last of his kind we should be able in both internationally and here in America we should be able to develop kids that could pitch and hit at the same time I think that can open up a bunch of different entertaining possibilities for the future of the game so I hope that you know little kids are watching Otani and they're like you know what I don't want to just focus on pitching or I don't want to just focus on hitting I want to do both and I hope that leads to more two-way talents for baseball you know 10 20 years down the road yeah it's it's kind of become like a trend recently like i mean i didn't really experience it until late in high school and once we got into college of people just being a pitcher and being a po like that was kind of a foreign concept to me when i started meeting people they're like oh yeah i'm just a pitcher it's like i mean i was never a pitcher so like i've always only just i only ever hit but like that was more normal. Just like the thought process of saying, I want to play baseball, but I only want to be a pitcher was kind of an odd concept to me. It's basically saying, I just want to play baseball once a week. Yeah. And you know, the fact that, you know, Otani can do it at the major league level is awesome. And it's great. It it's hard. And, you know, I'm sure it takes a lot of, you know, effort and energy out of him. but he seems like a guy that can do it. Uh, he, he obviously enjoys doing it. Um, and is excelling and i yeah i do hope that there's some more guys that, that start doing it like there i mean brendan mckay on the on the rays he's mainly a pitcher now for them but like when he was at louisville he was a, a stud first baseman and absolutely raked like you would think that the rays would be an organization that would like try and do that and capitalize on it so it's kind of odd that they kind of you know made him just into a pitcher the reds had a kid they have a kid in hunter green who's in the minors still who was Second overall pick, I believe, who was, you know, touted to be another two-way guy who's mainly pitching now. But yeah, I don't why shouldn't people want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to be a two-way player and and you know be a star like Otani is? I mean, even if you're not at the major league level in terms of talent, I mean being versatile in baseball, pitching, hitting, that's gonna get you much more opportunities, whether you want to play college at the division one level or the JUCO level from from Juco to D1 or even high school, like the more positions, the more things you can do, the more chances you're going to receive as a, as a young athlete. And I think Otani is a perfect example of that because, you know, when he was hurt, you know, normally you just be shut down, you're done. When he was hurt the last couple of years, he was still doing that other half that he could do. Like, wasn't he, he could still DH when his arm yeah. was busted for a little bit. So I think that if I, when I have a son in the future, maybe if I have a son in the future, whatever, um, I might have a daughter who knows, but if I have a son that plays baseball in the future, 
I would definitely not only just be both pitching and hitting, but I think this could be a more broad conversation. This is just a baseball podcast, but it could be more broad conversation in another, you know, in another context of playing multiple sports and not just designated yourself to one activity. That's always been something I've been, you know, kind of passionate about. It's just do more than one thing. I just play baseball because baseball is the only sport I like to play. But if you can do other things and you like to do other things, do it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't specialize yourself as a young person to one thing. I think that's wrong. And I think Otani is a perfect example of someone who has broken that mold. And I think he's a good role model for young athletes growing up. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I was a multi-sport athlete, you know, and that's kind of the trend. Like people want to see that it shows that you can, you can do multiple things and you have different skill sets. Um, I mean, I, if you don't want to be a Shohei Otani, I think you're kind of crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would want to be a Shohei Otani if I could I would right have now. No like, let me go up there, throw 102 miles an hour and, uh, you know, hit 450 foot homers because it's awesome. And, you know, he's going to have a lot on his shoulders now with Trout being out for, you know, about two months and mm-hmm. it's going to be hard, but you know, I think he can do it. I could, I think he can keep this going and he's going to be an all-star and he's going to be in the MVP race. Yeah. If he can, sure. pitch, if he can pitch a little bit better and more consistently like he's going to be an mvp candidate and it's going to be hard to not vote for him even yeah, if he has, they suck he, he has an upper he has the upper hand on everyone else because he does both and who knows he can get a cy young and an mvp and, and a silver slugger and a gold glove all the same year Isn't that, <laughs> that would be stupid. that would be insane that it's would be insane, insane. <laughs> uh, but it's possible that's the scary thing yeah that that is the thing because he, he can do it all and I, i'd love to see it because it would be great for baseball and like be a great thing for them to you know market and and to circle back you know again he continues to be healthy and has the success that we're talking about him potentially could have you know jj watt and kevin durant they're going to keep talking about him and those are very influential people not only in their you know clicks and their niches in terms of basketball and football but like really the world a lot of people love like those athletes are more worldwide than baseball players are so you have those guys talking about an international baseball player that's a perfect storm of pr for baseball yeah absolutely and uh he keeps this going you know i mean put him on the cover of mb the show too like that's oh my god i think that's a lock by now if as long as he finishes this year healthy i think it's a lock he's the cover of the show yeah he's got to be and you know just we've we've harped on it a thousand times it's just major league baseball needs to do more to get their game out there, get their players out there, get them more well-known. And they have a, a huge opportunity with a guy like Otani because, you know, baseball is huge in Japan. It's huge in, you know, Southeast Asia. Like, keep expanding that game and, and keep it, letting it grow because, you know what? It's going to make them more money. And yeah, at the end of the day, the game. that's what Major League Baseball cares about is the money that comes in from their players and one last little point i get my little dig in not on otani personally but like i've talked about this with trout i didn't we were going to do this mini podcast we're not going to talk about anything specifically in terms of team the angels need to fucking win like i can't stand this anymore like it's ridiculous we talk about it every single year even with otani and trout and rendon and they got rid of pool holes but he's a dodger now they still can't win. And, you know, what would be more entertaining? What would be better 
for baseball than Otani and Trout in October? The answer of that is nothing. Nothing would be better for baseball than Otani and Trout in the playoffs. But it doesn't look like it's happening this year, as as unless they make a huge miraculous comeback. But I digress. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something that is kind of upsetting to talk about and nonsensical and stupid and it pissed all of us off. So the White Sox nonsense. I just want to say, I want to put it out there that I said this the moment Larusa got hired. I said, this is not a good idea. He's 76 years old. He's out of touch with the millennial Gen Z kind of thing, kind of demographic. This is not going to work. I don't want to talk bad about anybody in our group chat because they're, they're not here, but Tyler disagreed with me and said he was going to be fine. And it looks like for the most part, I'm right because Tony Larissa <laughs> completely made himself look like an absolute moron this week. So quick recap, White Sox who are, I believe have the best winning percentage. They do the best winning percentage in the American league. They're destroying the Minnesota Twins. Minnesota Twins, Scott, are quietly having the worst year ever. Like They suck. They're horrible. 15 and 28. So they're destroying the Twins, right? So the Twins bring in a position player to pitch. And, you know, you know, breakthrough star for the White Sox, Yerman Mercedes. Am I saying that right? Yes. He gets he gets up 3-0 and on the Twins pitcher. It's forgetting me at the moment. Um, Ostadio. Yeah, and the three zero, you know, little Ethis pitch, Mercedes hits dead center over the wall for a home run. Now, when I saw that, I initially cringed a little bit. I will be honest; I did cringe a little bit because I've been, we've been taught growing up that that's not what you do. But we're trying to recalibrate our minds to say, no, that's fair game. And I do, I did end up agreeing that that is fair game. But at the end of the game, or I think the next day, whatever Lewis had his next press conference availability, he threw his own player under the bus, calling him clueless, um, saying all these things about how, you know, the unwritten rules and blah, 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 and how that's not how you play and how he's going to have to be disciplined within his own family. And then next game, he gets thrown at. Lewis is like, I don't have a problem with that. So he basically doesn't have a problem with his own guy potentially getting hurt it's just and lance lynn gets involved says listen i'm on mercedes side larusa says he has a locker i have an office so i'm more important but i'm I'm paraphrasing but it was just all a bunch of nonsense by tony larusa this is something that could really disrupt a locker room that is really taken off a little bit in the in the al central up two and a half games best record in the american league this is very this is not good this is really not good. Yeah, th- this is bad. And this is bad for baseball. And you're right. Tony LaRusse is not going to pan out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, they, their record's fantastic. But how much of that is actually LaRusse at this point? Yeah, because he's even made like managerial mistakes. With he not... didn't know the extra inning rule. Yeah, so he, he knows does... the unwritten rule, but he doesn't know the extra inning rule that when there's a runner on second, the pitcher doesn't need to run. They can pinch run. Yeah, and. What rule is more important to care about at this point? Yeah, and they lost that game because of that. And yeah. yes, he's a Hall of Famer. He had a great career, but he was out of baseball for managing for what 10, 12 years? Like, yeah, been, that white, that Cardinals championship was the end. It had been a while. And you know what? If they'd handled it in house and nothing was said, no, that's fine. That happens all the time. Yes. But the fact that he sat down there in his press conference. And through a player who 
has carried this team offensively under the bus is is terrible. And you know, Lance Lynn stood up for him. Tim Anderson stood up for him. Like Tim Anderson's a great player, and he's one of the leaders of that team. And he's a very emotional guy. He he, you know, shows you know it on the field. He bat flips. He has fun. like, what do you think Larusa thinks about that? Like, I'm sure he doesn't love it. Like I've if things go south for the White Sox and they fizzle out the postseason, like I think you got to like players you are probably going to, you got to get a younger guy in there. Yeah. It, you're going to turn on them. Um, and they, I, I don't think, I don't think they do it because the White Sox owner, he's the same owner. Of yeah. The Bulls, right. That's so the he, issue. He's a very loyal guy. Like he never, he didn't fire Kraus. Remember the last dance thing. They all hated him. Kraus kept him or yep. the owner kept Kraus. So it's going to be the same thing here, but you know, I'm the White Sox owner and I'm seeing all this, I'm having kind of, I'm having meetings with my star players behind LaRusso's back and I'm going to make a decision whether or not he's the best guy to lead this young, talented White Sox team. And I would probably let him go. I know that sounds extreme, but you can't lose the locker room like this. You can't throw your own player under the bus to the media and you can't defend the opponent for attempting to injure your guy. Yeah. That's common sense. That's really fucking stupid of LaRusa to do. Sorry for cursing, but oh my God, how can you do that? Yeah. Like, he, he, he set him up for like, it seemed like the twins like were kind of okay with it. Like they understood that they were getting their asses beat. Like, like he was trying to distance himself from his own team in the press conference saying, well, I stood up after the home run as he was rounding the bases and I was staring at him and I, I called the twins after the game and I apologize for his behavior. Shut the shut the fuck up. What the <laughs> hell is that? That's yeah. garbage, man. That is terrible, terrible, terrible leadership. That's terrible managing. And I don't care if he's in the hall of fame. Good for him for being a successful manager 20, 30 years ago from 20, 30 years ago. There's a reason why, we're hiring younger managers now. There's a reason why Aaron Boone's the Yankees manager and Joe Girardi isn't the Yankees manager. It's because they, the idea is that you got to coddle, for good or bad, you have to coddle the younger millennial Gen Z kind of athlete because that's how they've been brought up. And, you know, we saw it with Girardi. He got into it with Gene Segura. So there is something to matching your manager with the age of your roster and mm -hmm. making sure that they can coexist as a unit and a team. You don't need to get along with every single player as a manager, but you have to be able to have a professional relationship. And this LaRusa issue seems the furthest thing from that, in my opinion. Yeah. It's just not a match. Um, CC Sabathia, you know, said it on their podcast, you know, with him and Ryan Rucco, you know, he just, he doesn't fit. He doesn't understand the game and, it, what he did was wrong, and you know if the, if the Twins had a problem with it, they shouldn't have put Williams Ostadio on the mound, and you know mm -hmm. they should have put a pitcher out they there. Shouldn't, they shouldn't have been losing by that. You many shouldn't points. be getting your your butts kicked like that. Like you you're, know, we we talk about Bauer a lot. Bauer is a very like controversial figure, not only in our group chat and our podcast, but just in the baseball community in general. He said, you know, if you swing three zero into a home run, good. I should have made a better pitch, and the pitcher should be better. And if the pitchers are better. You don't put your own position player out to dry by having to put him on the mound. So it's the twins' fault for doing it. It's the twins' it, fault it, for this position to be what's happening in the first place. But 
Larusa can't. Larusa can't go that far. I mean, he said that he made put a take sign, and that German Mercedes either ignored the take sign, take sign or missed it. That happens. I know in my day, I've missed a million signs from my third base coach, but I'm not publicly bashed for it. That's something that you call him into the office in post game and say, "Hey, don't do that again." Yeah, it, it was dumb. Um, and just it was stupid. It's still, it's on. It's upsetting <laughs> that this is we. I don't want to talk about this, but that's what had to happen because you know it's just that absurd. Um, but you know, I we a lot of people, including myself, kind of knew that this was a possibility when they hired him. It was a very surprising hire. I didn't like it for a bunch of reasons, um, and this is one of them. And it came true. So we'll see the resiliency of the White Sox. Um, they took the series from the Twins. They now play the Yankees this weekend. That's a very interesting series because both are, you know, supposed to do big things. I think we all had them as our, like, ALCS kind of matchup. So it, that can be a preview of the ALCS. So we'll see the resiliency of the team. We'll see if the locker room, you know, comes together from it or if they break apart. And if they break apart and they go three and seven in their next ten, uh, maybe, you know, it's still early enough at that point to maybe make a change. And I wonder if the players kind of march into the owner's office at that point, if it were to happen, and say, hey, we need a change of scenery from, you know, this guy who just doesn't fit in. Because that's important for a manager in this kind of – you need to fit in with your guys. Like, you don't need to go out with them after the game to a bar and get a drink with all of them, but you need to have some sort of relationship with them, in my opinion. The best teams I feel that I've been on, we've all liked each other and we've liked our coaches and we've all been friends. I know it's different with a – Little league team where dads are coaches and you know major league baseball, but you know it's still kind of the same. Um, uh, do you, you agree with me? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like a fit, and that's yeah. a good young team that plays with a lot of energy, and to have someone that kind of sucks that out of you, like, yeah. and even you know what, even if he was someone who like meshed with them he's 76 years old how long is he going to be doing that they should have got someone like you know the yankees got boone and then 10 years ago they got girardi younger guys that girardi was younger at the time that would kind of progress with that roster over time girardi was the yankees manager for 10 years um cashman has been on record and said that he wants boone to be the yankees manager for 10 years that's how you kind of build something yeah not a placeholder manager who's 76 years old and we'll probably be out in two or three years anyway. When you have a young, if you had a veteran team that needed to win now, I get it. But if you have this young team like the White Sox are, you should have brought in a manager that can grow with the roster and not just be this old guy. But, you know, I digress. Um, let's do one more little thing. I'm very excited about the Jeter documentary. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Uh, one caveat thing. One caveat, though, I should say. If this is, you know, Derek Jeter has his hands all over it and kind of this is a Derek Jeter propaganda kind of vehicle, then it's going to be very boring. And it's going to be nothing that I, as a Yankee fan and a Derek Jeter fan my whole life, has not heard before. If this is something like The Last Dance, it's the same producers, right? Yep. If it's something like The Last Dance and I get to see kind of behind the scenes and maybe not a hit piece on Derek, but like let me in a little bit more on what was going on behind the scenes. Like, well, give me more about the A-Rod relationship. Give me more about, you know, 
the George Steinbrenner dynamic of everything. Like, give, like, I don't know, the Jeter's nightlife. He had a very rich dating history. Give me kind of, give me a little dirt on Derek. I love Derek. I will defend him until I die. The people who say he's overrated, I fight with all the time, and I will never, ever stop fighting for him. But give me a little bit more than the angel persona I've been fed for 20 years. I mean, if that's what it is, I'll still watch it and I'll still love it, but I would just love to see a little bit more because when we saw The Last Dance, there was a lot of, you know, the best part of The Last Dance, I don't know if you agree with me, was that the ending of that one episode where they talked about, you know, people thinking that Michael was not a nice guy and kind of a tyrant. Remember the ending of that episode? It was awesome. I love that. I would like to see, maybe not to that extent, because I don't think Derek was that kind of guy that Michael was, but give me a little bit, give me a little bit of the, the dark side of Derek Jeter in this documentary. That's all I want. Yeah, a little, little substance, a little, mm-hmm. you know, something that you don't know, because, you know, Jeter, he was a star, but like, he was boring. He was quiet. You didn't, you didn't hear so a when lot they said, from him. When they said six parts, I was like, really? Yeah, they they must have been working on this for a while, or you know they got a lot of information, and you know, I am excited about it because, uh, you know, not as a growing up a Yankee fan, like my best friend growing up was a huge Yankee fan, loved Jeter, like, so like you know I heard about him, I knew him, like I didn't, you know, it's not my favorite player, you know, but so it'll be it'll be nice to you know see that side and, and learn even more about him because he's a great player, he's great, you know, first and foremost he's a winner and. Mm-hmm. That's what matters most to me is, you know, can you help your team win? And he did that from the day he got there. And he, he did that until, you know, the day he left. And yeah, he's starting to build that in Miami too. Cause they mm-hmm. beat the Phillies ass again tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Happens. He, he guy's just a winner and he, that's, that's what should matter. And, you know, I am excited for it and should be, should be good. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be fun. I mean, there's a lot of people now we're getting old. We don't, I don't think we realize how old we are. So, like, the, the 14, 15 year old kid probably doesn't remember watching Derek Jeter play the way I remember watching Derek Jeter play. So, he's been retired for six years now. So, I think this could be a little bit of a um, kind of like a documentary just to kind of put a ribbon on everything. He gets inducted into the Hall of Fame in July. Um, so maybe he, they just make this. So there's a one place well, there's a one stop shop for people to get their Derek Jeter kind of lecture or crash college course on Derek Jeter's career. Maybe kind of like how Michael Jordan was. Cause I didn't watch Michael Jordan play. I was too young. Um, but as a, someone who watched Derek for a long time, I would like to see something. I would like to learn something that I don't already know. So that's my challenge to this documentary is to teach me something because I, think you know i'm kind of um stubborn in this i think i know everything about Derek Jeter, <laughs> so prove me wrong tell me something i don't know and then i'm sure it's gonna be great either way but you know that was kind of my uh that's my two cents on this documentary yeah i'm excited for it should be good yeah, should be good um so we got the no hitters done we got the larusa we got the otani we got the Derek. is there any um anything else that happened in the last couple of weeks in major league baseball that you would like to touch upon before we wrap up this episode I think we hit the hot stuff, you know, what was important with going on, all the no-hitters, mm-hmm. Otani's greatness. Um, I think we got it. Hopefully uh, we'll be back, you know. Yeah, hopefully we get full crew. everybody in. It's hard. Jobs suck, all people. All four of us Don't... have jobs. And there was one point 
you know, I think you are always working. I was the only, yeah, I was the only one working. Was, at one like point. this time last year when we were doing it, like all the 75% of the podcast was unemployed. And this is the only thing we looked forward to <laughs> every single week. And now, you know, all four of us have jobs and it's tougher, but you know, we will figure it out. Like we always do. Yes. But um, we will be back with, hopefully with Tyler and cash and the crew sometime next week until then enjoy all the no hitters that happen from now until then um and for scott roswell my name is glenn Diggers. thank you for listening to base hit ball four and we will see you next time